you know, Chet Edwards is an is an amazing politician, and I don't mean that in a in a negative way. Uh, if you look at what a uh, representative to the United States House of Representatives does, they they really have two functions. One is to serve the district, uh, be a conduit between constituents and the federal government, um, bring home uh, federal funds back into the district. And Chet Edwards has been absolutely incredibly skilled at that, has been wonderful at that. Um, the other thing that we expect a representative to do is to uh, represent our political interest in the national legislature. So as this district has become more and more conservative and conservative in a Republican sense, um, Chet Edwards has, has he's had to massage this, this tension between where he is as a, a national Democrat versus where our, where our district is. Um, I think he's been able to uh, walk this fine line because uh, I think he's had a very careful voting record for a long time. He was a big supporter of uh, a very popular president who actually had, a, had his home here in our district. Uh, he has been a... Um, He's been seen as very pro-military, pro-veteran, uh, a series of votes um, with the troops, as it were, uh, supporting the president during the Iraq War, Afghan wars. Um, and, um, and, and so he was able to, I think he was able to demonstrate through those votes uh, that there wasn't a huge difference uh, politically. At the same time, again, maintaining this, uh, this this wonderful ability to be a great congressman uh, in the sense of uh, our man uh, in in Washington. And, and it seems like, and this isn't just really anecdotal, it just seems like living around here, even people who don't agree with him hold a certain admiration or respect for him. Is that fair? I, I think that is absolutely true. Um, when you, when you, he's got a strong, he's got strong bipartisan community support. The community leaders in District 17 really seem to like and appreciate Chet Edwards. And again, that has nothing to do with uh, political affiliation. And it's been, uh, you know, again, I, I go back to uh, this being uh, for a while George W. Bush's congressional district. You never saw the president come in and campaign against um, against this congressman. You, you saw very few uh, important Republican politicians come in uh, and get involved in this, in this, in this, in these races. You know, it, it, that is an interesting dichotomy here. You had um, President Bush living in this district in one of the reddest of of the red states out there. It's an interesting side note. But is there anything more to it than that? Well, I think it's an interesting side note. It is. Uh, it it is symbolic uh, of, as you say, just how red this district was—a district that voted seventy um, percent for this president, but continued to send a person of the other party uh, back to Washington. It is, um, I, I don't think that there was any counterbalancing going on. Again, I think it goes back to being a testament to the political skill, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, how personable, how, per, uh, how well this congressman has done his job uh, over the last two decades. What what year was it that the redistricting took place? Was the uh, the first the the redistricting uh, the redistricting became uh, came in play for two thousand four. Two thousand four was the first congressional uh, race where the where the redistricting came into play. I think there were six um, there were six targeted districts and 
and Congressman Edwards was the only Democrat who survived that 2004 election over those six big districts. I mean, he's essentially serving in a district that was somewhat designed to get him out of there. That's absolutely right. Uh, The old District 11 had been trending Republican uh, and was a Republican district. Uh, The redistricting, the uh, the Texas 17 uh, became even more Republican. And again, a district that was targeted to unseat a Democratic uh, representative. Now, you've, we've talked about, the, the, about Chet's political skill, skill and political savvy, but let's look at the district itself. And I know there's a lot of people in this district, so you can't just make too broad of generalizations. But what does that say about the people of this district? You, know, you have a president in McCain who you know, lost the electoral vote by a pretty ha- handy amount, but he won this district by, I believe, he's, believe he took 63% of the vote, uh, somewhere right in there. And yet, we still vote in a Democrat in this district. So what, what, kind of, what can you learn about this district by seeing these kinds of numbers? Well, I think this is, uh, uh, this is a, you know, part of, in some ways, Congressman Edwards has been fortunate in that uh, I don't know that there's been a blockbuster opponent come along. Um, I do think in the heart of Texas, uh, this is, um, it is, uh, heart of Texas, where you're from matters. This is a place where place is important. There have been several candidates who uh, I think have had a carpetbagger image, uh, people who look like that they were set up, moved in, um, political opportunists trying to take advantage of this district where there's a Democrat and an overwhelming Republican electorate. It seems to me that this district, in some ways, is it, it supports uh, its own. Uh, it's a very it, it it has proved to be very tough for an outsider to come in and and win this district. So I think that has been an advantage. Again, just a place where uh, where you're from is important. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that yeah. yeah. Additionally, is it maybe fair to say that people in this district tend to not that there aren't people on the far wing, but maybe try to make they make some mental distinctions between a Democrat and a liberal Democrat. I think that's true. Uh, you go the, this district, and, and again, if you go back to the old District 11, and these districts get redistricted and, and and things change. But you go back to the core of what this district was. You go back to. Um, uh, to Congressman Pogue, the longtime representative of this district. And then Marvin Leith came in after Pogue. And then Chet Edwards. So you've got people who uh, who have a history in this district of of really admiring Democrats. Again, of course, we, we all know that Texas was as Democrat, uh, as Democratic as it is Republican uh, only a few years ago. But you have, uh, yeah, a, a Marvin Leith Democrat is not the same as a Nancy Pelosi Democrat. Mm-hmm. There's a tradition here where uh, Democrats don't necessarily mean uh, the extreme liberal side of the Democratic Party. So I think there's a connection to this congressman with that old tradition of uh, sort of moderate Democrats or even conservative Democrats. So I think that continues to help him. That's definitely a piece of this puzzle. You know, you look at his electoral history. He's had a few easy wins. You know, you look at a lot of 20-year congressmen, you almost get the impressions in some places of the king who's probably never going to have to abdicate his or her throne. But with Chet, I mean, he, he's he been tested. He, he He's battle-tested. And that is one thing as we head into a—we'll uh, talk more about this in a little—into a 
tight election this fall. He's been through this ringer before. He knows what high wire act he's on. That's absolutely right. Um, this is probably uh, uh, this this is probably an illusion that that uh, it, it stretches it all a little bit too far. But I almost think about they always talk about the state of Israel that is, you know, mm-hmm. in a in the midst of a constant existential crisis. I mean, uh, they can't uh, they can't afford to take a breath. Well, I don't. I think this congressman uh, cannot afford to drop his guard. There have been some uh, there have been some races in the last ten years that. That uh, that turned out to be comfortable victories for him, but I don't think that there's ever a time um, when he is completely relaxed. I think there have been a few times of supreme vulnerability. Uh, 2004, I think he understood was a moment in which he was extremely vulnerable. Uh, 2004 was that first year after the redistricting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a presidential election year. President Bush was running. Um, as a very popular incumbent, uh, certainly in this district, President Bush would get somewhere near 70 percent of the uh, of of the vote within this district in 2004. And so uh, the candidate in 2004 uh, tried to um, to to conjure up a very positive association with that very popular incumbent. You will remember in 2004, um, the uh, yard signs said uh, Bush, Cheney, Walgamuth, who was the Republican candidate. And so uh, I think the congressman understood that was a very close election, um, took, you know, ran very hard, uh, uh, did a good job. Uh, that particular candidate, that particular Republican can- candidate, uh, again, didn't have a very strong association with the uh, Central Texas and was perceived as something of an outsider, which I think helped him uh, in that campaign. I think if we're coming up in 2010, um, it's it's another moment of supreme vulnerability, but I think it's sort of the opposite side of that coin. Uh, there's no positive association uh, with the Republican candidate uh, at this moment. Uh, in fact, you know, we, when we look at national polling, they often have the uh, generic ballot. Uh, is uh, would it would a generic Democrat beat a generic Republican or vice versa? Um, this candidate, Bill Flores, who is he? Uh, we we don't know much about Bill Flores. He's almost a generic Republican. If you have if you have good feelings to Republicans, you probably like Bill Flores. If you don't. You, you you probably don't. There's there's not much we know about him. Um, where where the congressman is vulnerable in 2010, it's it's really um, the negative association that uh, that that he's got with um, an increasingly unpopular national democratic hierarchy. He's very closely associated with this president early supporter of President Obama on the short list uh, as a vice presidential uh, candidate uh, for uh, for the Obama ticket. Uh, he was uh, he has been endorsed several times on national news programs by uh, the very li- liberal uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi from you know representing a district in you know around San, Fran- San Francisco. So he's got to avoid that. Um, he he's got to avoid that that association um instead of running against a uh you know a bush cheney uh, republican candidate what he's got to avoid is being perceived as an obama pelosi chet edwards uh ticket and republicans would love nothing more than to make people in central texas think that obama pelosi reed are his running mates almost a- absolutely and they and and what is what's got to alarm the congressman at this point is there's some good video 
of that. Again, Na- uh, Nancy Pelosi was on national television extolling the virtues of uh, Chad Edwards. There is, we can guarantee, uh, I think we can guarantee that we're going to see the tape of uh, Chad Edwards making that announcement in February of 2008 on um that candidate Obama was the man to make the changes that we all needed. I mean, so you, you, you can't be any closer to these national figures. And uh, so we can expect the Republicans to, uh, to hammer at this theme uh, over and over. We're going we're gonna to see a lot of that by the time we finally get to the election. You've watched the politics around here for a long time, and you know kind of the delicate balance and dance routine that there is. Were you surprised a little over two years ago when, when he endorsed Obama? Uh, I think I was surprised. I think after, after 2006, I, I said that this congressman never lets down his guard. But uh, after 2006, that was such an easy re-election, mm-hmm. um, such a comfortable re-election. Uh, 2008, anyone with a good political sense understood that the Republicans were a lot, in a lot of trouble in mm-hmm. 2008. I think if you had a good political sense, you understood... Uh, how powerful the sentiment for for this candidate mm-hmm. Barack Obama was, and so um, it was a calculation. I don't think it was an unwise uh, calculation. Um, I mean, it uh, the it was about the same time that uh, Kay Bailey Hutchinson was making a calculation that she was going to run for Texas governor as a moderate. So it wasn't a foolish thing to think at mm-hmm. that moment. But what is certainly true is things have turned around. You know, Chet Edwards, often he and his campaign tout his independence. Republicans tout he's voted with Nancy Pelosi 97% of the time. Who's right, or is there a little bit of truth to all claims? Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, there's no getting around the fact that, uh, that, that this congressman votes with the uh, Democratic Party 90% of the time, in the, in the 90%. Uh, there's no getting around the claim that this candidate votes for Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. And that's really the most important vote. Um, he could vote with the Democrats 50 percent of the time. But if he voted for Democratic leadership, uh, that's that's everything uh, in the House. As you know, um, it's not like the Senate where a minority can uh, have a bigger impact. I mean, the majority is uh, isn't is ironclad. Uh, the majority rules in the House, and so if you've got uh, a majority of one party in the House, um, you know that 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 that's very very important. And so he's voting for the Democrats as the majority, and that's you, you can't get away from that. Now it is true that he is um, some of the some of the big votes, some of the uh, high profile votes, for example, on health care. Uh, for example, on cap and trade, um, for the 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 recent uh, financial regulation bill. He has he has very publicly um, voted against Democratic leadership and and offered explanations of for why he did that. And so, um, on in individual cases, it's true that uh, that this congressman has been independent on some high profile votes. If you're Thinking, if you're trying to think along with Chet Edwards' team, what becomes important over these next, these final few weeks leading into the election? Well, here's the good news for this congressman. Um, again, there is a coterie of people, a majority of people in this district who have developed a habit of voting for him over the last 20 years. And that's a great thing. Um, he is, uh, he needs to remind people that uh, 
that this is the guy they've always liked, that they've always trusted. He's the guy who's uh, who's brought home the bacon uh, for this district. Now, that's not as this is. There's no doubt about it. It it looks like this is going to be more of an anti-incumbent atmosphere. I mean, usually most most incumbents in Congress get reelected. We. We may not have that in 2010. It looks it, it looks very likely that uh, that this is going to be one of those rare years where incumbents are in trouble. Uh, but I think he has to remind folks that uh, that 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 we know him, right? This is this is our friend Chet. Uh, he's been around for a long time. I also think he has to move this perception of Bill Flores off of sort of this neutral thing. Uh, he, he has to go from neutral on Bill Flores to he needs there needs to be some negative associations of Bill Flores that people can hang on to um, the the best tool uh, probably in the uh, uh, in the toolbox here is going to be the idea of the carpetbagger right who is Bill Flores where no, nobody's ever you know Bill Flores isn't a guy that you shook hands with at the courthouse ten years ago I mean he's a guy that we haven't heard of and now he's here. Uh, he's uh, had, has had a Houston-based career. Um, fortunately for uh, Flores, like um, like Chet Edwards, he's a Texas A&M graduate, yeah. and that that means a lot in Central Texas. Uh, that that that's very good. Um, but again, the the, the idea of uh, of the carpetbagger uh, is uh, uh, and someone that we just don't know very well. I think that's probably the um, the thing that's going to be most advantageous to the Edwards campaign. I want to ask you a little bit about the district itself again, a couple of um, aspects. You've got what's now a very tall, narrow, it's a very tall, narrow strip of a district, and you've got some areas that are very different from each other. Navasota area is very different from Cleburne, and you've got Waco right in the middle as kind of kind of the anchor, and obviously Edwards' home base is Waco, and a lot of the challengers we've seen are not. Now, College Station Bryan, where Flores is from, has a big population base. But how much does being from Waco benefit Edwards? Well, I think that's another element of his long-term success. Uh, certainly, the Waco, you know, his uh, his Waco's affinity for him, the the idea that uh, he is a Waco guy and he's thinking about Waco, and again, somebody that we know. Um, and uh, very friendly to these Waco institutions. I, I think that's put him over the. I, that that's made the difference in a lot of these congressional races and these close congressional races. Uh, Waco starts to come in, and and Waco very often uh, makes the difference. So Waco's important. Um, again, we're in an anti-incumbent uh, mood. I'd say another change. You know, I guess the question is: Is this going to be the perfect storm? Chet Chet Edwards keeps winning, 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 and he's a textbook case of of how to win uh, in an opposition district. But is this the is this the perfect storm? Is the 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 Tea Party uh, turmoil, the anti-incumbent uh, atmosphere, the uh, president and the speaker's um, declining approval ratings? Do all of these things combine to make this the year where um, this congressman goes from not just vulnerable to yeah, yeah. One other thing that's going to be different about this election is uh, the Waco paper is under new ownership, and uh, over time, the uh, Waco Tribune has been very supportive of uh, of this congressman. You could always expect uh, an editorial of support when you got down to the election. You could expect fairly friendly coverage from the Trib. Um, we don't know what's going to happen 
with the trip. Uh, we don't know who they're going to support and new owners, I, new owners yeah. and I and I do think that uh, you can all already see a slightly different tenor um, for the to the coverage of this race within that newspaper. You know, you've, you've got Waco as the base, but you know, is it an interesting district in the sense that not that you know every district has its areas that are different and has its um, blendings of different lifestyles, but you know, you've got two major universities in this district, you've got a lot of rural land. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I certainly think those universities uh, and uh, even the colleges, again, this is a congressman who has been uh, very helpful uh, to these institutions, and so there, and, and, and a lot of Know, institutions of higher learning tend to uh, uh, tend to support liberal candidates more than conservatives uh, anyway but that so I think those are big advantages um, although we don't think of Baylor and Texas A&M as as especially liberal right. institutions of uh, politically uh, institutions of higher learning this congressman has a sense of this district and it, talking about it, going back to advantages. This is this is an advantage. Um, I think even in the Big 12 controversy a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. the way that uh, this congressman came in and weighed in, I don't know that he made a political impact on what happened with the Big 12. I Probably not. But he was clearly supportive of the Big 12 staying together, clearly supportive of Baylor being uh, in the mix, uh, giving ideas, putting his prestige behind. And... Um, for anybody to say that this wasn't the right thing to do, uh, I don't. I think that they didn't understand what people here wanted. And so, again, the advantage is that you, that he's got a good sense of of who we are, of what we want. And I think that's true uh, in the agricultural districts. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's obviously again, uh, you can't uh, you can't over uh, estimate. You can't exaggerate how important the sense that uh, that this congressman is pro-military, pro-veteran. You know, those are things that help him. I mean, everybody in this everybody in this district is pro-military and and pro-veteran. Uh, support supports the troops. Um, if there's an if there's a dis you know if, if there's another thing that that is different. If there's a weak link in his voting record, uh, I would say that. Um, and again, in the aftermath of that 2006 uh, election, where uh, he he may have had this sense of being comfortable, uh, I would I think he probably wishes he could take back his votes against the surge uh, in 2007. Very rarely did you ever see this president go or this congressman go against President Bush, uh, go in any way that could be perceived as going against the troops. Uh, he voted with the party. He voted with leadership in 2007, just like this president, uh, the the current president did as a senator, President Obama, voted against the surge. Um, but that that's maybe the one link weak link in his uh, in his voting record. But, um, you know, being so instrumental in saving the VA hospital in Waco, people remember that. Um, one of the things, you know, he's the military is so loyal to uh, Edwards. One of the things that was done in the redistricting, one of the reasons that redistricting was important was to take away Fort Hood out of his mm-hmm. district. Um, because, again, the the folks around uh, Colleen, Fort Hood area, uh, very loyal voters to this congressman. So, again, politically, he, he's got the support of the military, um, supportive military families. So, you know, that, that uh, that's something that plays well in this district, no matter who you are, where you are. 
you know, you mentioned saving the VA hospital, you know, kind of the fact that he's a, he, you didn't say this, but he can be a key vote in a lot of, um, in a lot of votes. Is there a sense maybe that for a lot of people, even if they don't agree with everything Edward stands for, that here locally, we've got a congressman with some clout. You know, you think 500 and, uh, you know, however many uh, people in Congress we've got, a lot of them are kind of, for lack of a better term, also ran. I mean, it's in a lot of districts. I mean, there's a lot of anonymous congressmen and women out there. And yet here locally, we've got a congressman of some consequence who gets stuff done. Do you think that matters to people? You know, I, there were some rankings that came out uh, from time to time. He was the mm-hmm. 12th most powerful Democrat, seventh most powerful Democrat. Uh, I don't know how those rankings are determined, and, and I don't know where he where he's currently ranked. Um, I don't think those numbers mean a lot to people. But again, when he weighs in, and I think... I don't think anybody knows what his what his uh, power ranking is, but I think they understand that he was instrumental in saving the VA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he. I think they know he's doing everything he can to get some money for the mammoth site. I think people know that he's involved with the L three stuff. Uh, again, if whether whether he had an impact, we don't know. But when uh, when everybody's uh, in something of a panic about the Big Twelve, well, here comes Congressman. Edwards. And mm-hmm. so I do think that there's a sense that this guy is proactive, that that this congressman is proactive when it comes to uh, protecting and serving this district. You mentioned that, you know, political science students will write papers about him. Is he that kind of fascinating figure who, who stands the test of time to, to a lot of people? Well, I do think that uh, we will come to see Chet Edwards as a case study of resiliency in terms of uh, someone who has survived in a district that is clearly uh, moved away from him politically. He's, he's gone with the flow. Um, I, don't, I think he's, uh, he's been very effective uh, as a congressman, but I don't see him as one of those... Uh, he's not like a political boss or something. Again, he's, uh, again I, I see him as somebody who has, uh, who's, who's great at understanding where the district is and is great at, uh, at at sort of riding along with the political current. And you kind of said this a little bit ago, maybe a better way for me to to set this up would be to ask is the fact that, you know, as we talk mostly about Chet, in a lot of ways, the election really is about Chet Edwards, is it not? And he needs to make it somewhat a referendum on Bill Flores. That's right. You know, this election needs to be... Uh, well, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll do it both sure. ways. Tell, tell me how. Yeah, tell me what you think. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think in some ways this election has to be about Chet Edwards. When it gets to be about Chet Edwards, Nancy Pelosi, and Barack Obama, that's bad. But it, when it's about Chet Edwards, the fellow we've known for twenty years, versus Bill Flores, who's he? I I think that's probably mm-hmm. good. Now, I also I but I I I agree that uh, there has to be. The, the Edwards campaign has to raise Bill Flores's negatives. Um, he, he can't stay neutral. There's got to be there's got to be some things to uh, to hook on uh, to Bill Flores to 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 weigh him down, um, to to sort of counteract the negative associations that are going to be in the in the minds of many people. Negative associations that Chet Edwards is going to have in terms of national politics. There's got to be some local negative associations that that connect to Bill Flores. He can't remain sort of this neutral figure. He can't remain the generic Republican. Um, one of the one of the things that 
that uh, this campaign, that the Edwards campaign has to has to do, is to give Bill Flores a personality, and it's got to be a personality that, uh, again, from the mind of the Edwards campaign, it's got to be a personality that is uh, that is somebody that 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 you don't want to make this decision. You don't want to change um, horses there. Now you've got uh, two candidates with deep pot with uh, with deep pockets. You know, Edwards has been through the battles. Um, Flores, at least appears, just looking from the outside, maybe has a more formidable campaign machine than some of his predecessors running for the, the role. So you got you got a lot of money. You've got Democrats and Republicans. You know, Republican I talked to this morning from Texas said, oh, we basically we, we want this district. We're, we're dying to get this district. Democrats, it's a feather in their cap to hold it. They want to keep it. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction of who's going to win, but just knowing the dynamics of this race, the national mood, how much money is in, like, is this going to be a boxing match? What do you, what do you see? What's your kind of prediction for how things play out from, you know, maybe now until late October? Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a, 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 a very tight election. I think it's going to be a hard-fought election. I expect, uh, when it, it, unless there's some major scandal, some major game-changing event. I expect this election to come down to election day. I expect us to be counting votes uh, late into the night. I think it's going to be a very, very close election. I think uh, more money is going to be spent in this district uh, than than ever before. And uh, so I, I think it, I think it's going to be, a, an, obviously, it's an election of national significance. I think people will, from all over the country will be watching this, uh, this, this canvas. So we should brace ourselves for a lot of ads. I think we ought to, we're going to get a lot of ads. Uh, absolutely. Um, again, um, there are there are just there are themes out there that uh, that are just irresistible. That you know you can you don't have to know a lot about politics to predict what these ads are going to look like. And I think they're, we're we're going to see them, and we're going to see them over and over and over. Um, both of these candidates, I believe, are going to have enough money uh, to make sure that they're uh, that that they're. Um, themes are run enough to penetrate the consciousness of the district. And, and I guess finally I'll ask you, you know, a lot of people look at this and you look at some districts and they're like, well, as this district goes, so goes the country. They they reflect the national mood. And, and maybe that will indeed be the case. But is that a little too much of a blanket statement in the sense that this is a district that tends to buck expectations? Yeah, I don't see District 17 as a bellwether district. Um, I do think that, uh, I mean, if, I think it goes the other way. If this is a, if at the end of the night, at the end of election night, uh, on the first Tuesday, November, uh, 2010, if Chet Edwards has been unseated in this district, that is a bad night for the Democrats, um, across the country. Uh, it, uh, a bellwether in the only in the sense that if Massachusetts elected a Republican senator, right? If mm-hmm. that if that ever happened, uh, that would that would send a big signal. Um, but you know, when we think of a bellwether district, you usually think of uh, a, a really close district. And uh, um, when uh, when this happens, um, you know, well, I've, I've messed that all. So like, so, so like some of those in like Kentucky or Missouri, it seems. Yeah, like Missouri. That... We always think of Missouri as the bellwether. It's always a very close election, and whoever wins that very often wins the wins the election. I mean, we of course not this time, but yeah, rigs. Yeah. That, that's right. Uh, but uh, you know, Texas, Texas seventeen. You know, we've had the last 
the last 10 elections, the Democrat has won, and that's not been a bellwether. Um, you know, we, in, mm-hmm, yeah. it's been the opposite of a bellwether. I mean, we, we've had a Republican, we've had some huge Republican victories, and, uh, and, but Texas 17 has, has remained um, Democratic. One other question. I said I was asking, but one one other question. I ask is, you know, we talk about this maybe being a a wave election, kind of like a '94, or I don't know if "wave" was the term they used in '06 and '08, but something. I think similar that's right. Yeah, a lot of the vulnerable incumbents were elected in that wave of '06 to '08. So people are talking about kicking out someone who's been there two to four years in, in, in a lot of cases. Maybe it's a, a Heath Shuler in North Carolina or, or some of those types of people um, who, who were elected on that wave. So is it a little difficult to m- maybe compare Texas 17's m- supposed anti-incumbent sentiment to those just because time, the, the timing is totally different? It's a big difference. Uh, I, I think that the anti-incumbent sentiment is going to have an effect on this election, but it is countered by as you say, 20 years of, of knowing and appreciating this congressman. This, this, as you say, if, if you were elected in 2006 or 2008, you, you don't have long relationships, and it's a little bit easier uh, to, to turn this district over again. Th- again, this, this, is, this is a district where, we've, where we have uh, formed, fomented, cultivated a, uh, a, long, a long relationship with a particular congressman. So turning this person out is going to be a much different psychological uh, phenomenon uh, than it would be someone who's just been there for a term or two. 